0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast.
2: What's going on, everybody? Happy Packers training camp eve. Thanks so much for joining me. I am super excited to be here. I'm just going to be totally real with you guys. I am as jacked as anyone for tomorrow Absolutely. Cannot wait for training camp first practice. It feels like Christmas Eve or whatever holiday it is that you celebrate. I don't know. Maybe training camp is more important, right? But uh, no, this is absolutely amazing. I am geeked up. I feel like the, you know, just the unknowns that are out there, the opportunities that are out there, just all of it combined I am in seventh heaven. I cannot wait. And I just, I'm beaming to be at practice tomorrow and to be sending out the first tweets of training camp. I know it's not going to be in pads. Ask me if I care. We'll get to pads. Eventually we'll get to uh, the joint practices. We'll get to preseason. There's actually going to be Jordan love film soon. Like I'm, as you can tell, I'm geeking out and I'm super excited. So, uh, you know, start asking questions, guys. I'm gonna get to as many as I possibly can uh, through the course of tonight. So, um, yeah, we'll stay on as long as you guys have questions. So, start hitting them up. Um, obviously, we had some news today: to Carpenter, to various more uh, go on the non-football injury list. Uh, hopefully nothing major. They'll be able to be reactivated um, whenever they're you know, whenever they healthy, whenever they pass a physical. Uh, we'll probably find out maybe a little bit more from Matt tomorrow if either of those are deemed to be anything serious. But uh, hopefully nothing that is going to keep them out for any significant period of time, and hopefully back sooner rather than later. Overall, still have to be relatively excited with where the Packers are at from a health standpoint. Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, both good news, seemingly from, from Brian and Matt today. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be, you know, within the next couple of weeks, testing them out again. And there is some hope that they could be back this summer, which would mean no Pupilis to start the season, which would be beyond amazing, especially for Rashawn, for both of them, right? Coming off the injuries that they had, the Liz Frank is nothing uh, to sneeze at either for Eric Stokes. So, that could be absolutely huge for the defense. And, and then, you know, overall, you know, Grant DuBose is, is certainly a level of disappointing because he wasn't able to practice minicamps, OTAs, et cetera. Tavares Moore is expected to compete with Rudy Ford in a slew of like, I don't know, a thousand other uh, one-year deal safeties for that second safety position, probably opposite Darnell Savage. But overall, I do think that this is, uh, you know, a relatively healthy team going into camp, and that's exactly where you want them to be. Uh, Appreciate all the really kind comments from you guys already. Uh, I did want to actually, this is a really interesting one to start off with. This is not where I certainly expected this to go on the eve of training camp, but Michael says, and he started off. He was the first one in here, got in here about a half an hour early, which should appreciate that. Michael says life is tough. I can't wait for Packers football. So this is something interesting. I'm by no means a, medical or uh, a, you know, mental expert or anything, mental health expert or anything like that. But I do think mental health is extremely important. And I know that the the crux of this here is I can't wait for Packers football, right? That's like, But it starts off with life is tough. And Michael, I hear you. I feel you. I understand you. I get you. I hope you are doing well. Uh, my DMs are always open for anyone that is ever going through tough times, even if you just need to take your mind off of it with Packers stuff. But I'm a big believer and take this for what it's worth. Like I said, I am not an expert in any way, shape or form, but I am a big believer in life Life of trying to find your constant. And for me, my constant since I was about seven years old has been Packers football it has been something I've been able to constantly look forward to every single day. Obviously, as you guys know, I get to talk about the Packers. When stuff gets crappy in my life, I can still look forward to a Sunday coming up and know that for three hours, I'm going to be able to take my mind off of things. And even when it is not a, you know, in season, I know that there's going to be a free agent or a draft pick or somebody talking about something Packers related that is going to keep me on balance and keep me going and excited about something in life, even in those really low times. So for those of you who the Packers are your constant, and they are your getaway from real life. And you maybe listen to myself or the Packaday podcast, or check out my tweets to escape the reality and some of the suckiness of life from time to time. Um, I feel you. I understand you. I get you. And like I said, the, the Packers are my constant in life as well. Where like when everything goes to crap, they're there for me. So I get that as well. I hope uh, I hope that this can give you some reprieve from anything that you guys are going through on a day to day basis. It's honestly, it's not like the number one, a thing on my list when I came up with the Pack at a podcast, but it's definitely something that I've, I've, you know, become cognizant of that people have legitimately reached out to me and said, Hey, like, you know, I've gone through some really tough times and knowing that there's a Packers podcast, 365 days a year, um, has been super helpful to me, getting me through tough times. Like that stuff has meant a ton. So Michael, I hope you're doing well. Like I said, DMs are always open. If you need anything, life is tough. Life is hard. Uh, but there is something that that is always there to take our mind off of things. And I think for a lot of us, that is is the green bay packers and like i said i'm right there with you so not exactly the way that i expected to start off training camp eve but i think it's an important thing uh to discuss nonetheless and i'm really appreciative of you being here michael so all right let's get to some other questions here and uh let's see um i know there was one about all right we'll start with this one married guy says best positional group tight ends or linebackers that's an interesting question. I did a, a ranking of all the positional groups. I'm not sure where these uh, ended up, but I do think edge, uh, I'm going to go outside linebacker here. Uh, when you say linebacker, specifically the edge rusher position, that's a position that I think once healthy, once Rashawn is back, and assuming that Rashawn is anywhere near the level that he was playing at before his injury a season ago, which it may take a hot second for that to come to fruition. But if that does end up being the case, Rashawn being that 1A guy, Then you have a Lucas Van who I think is going to be impactful from the get-go. He is too strong, too talented, too physical, too fast, too beastly of a specimen. And if there is one position in all of football that you can take a freak athlete and pretty much bet that they're going to transition well into that position – it is edge rusher. It is pass rusher. Those guys find a way to get to the quarterback. Van Ness has that. I was really impressed with how he stood up against the run game in OTAs and mini camps. Now, no pads, take that for what it's worth. But he, I think he's going to be a big time player for this team. I think Preston Smith is the other one that has the ability to really benefit here. If you do have Rashawn Gary and you do have Lucas Van Ness, and I didn't even talk about Kingsley and Igbari yet. If you've got those three guys that are capable of playing a ton of snaps, I think if you can get Preston to that, 30 to 40 snap range, 35, I would say is probably that, you know, that money number. If you can get him to that, I think you're going to see 35 really good reps out of Preston Smith. I think if he's at the point where if you have to start seeing him 60 to 65 snaps, I don't think it's going to be quite as consistent and quite as good at his age. But like I said, if you can get him around that 30, 35, which I think is very attainable when you've got Enigbari, when you've got Lucas Van Ness, when you've got Gary coming back, and even guys like a Justin Hollins, maybe a Bretton Cox can get in—you know their name in that conversation as well. I think that's a really deep room. I think it's a really fun room. I think you're led by a veteran in Preston Smith, who I know Rashawn looks up to. Uh, and Rashawn is a, a leader of that group. That is a position group that I am super excited about and really, really pumped out, uh, pumped up about Lucas Van Ness, what I think he's going to bring to the table. And honestly, Kingsley and Igbari, one of the, the you know, one of my favorite second year players that I'm really excited to keep an eye on as well. So that is where I am at right now with that. Uh, let's see here. I know there was a couple other ones. Should I pick up Christian Watson in my fantasy league? Derek, I am the worst person to ask about fantasy stuff uh, my best fantasy leagues were when I was like 12 years old and I didn't know uh, quite as much. And then like, I feel like you get to a point where you can't see the the trees through the forest sort of thing. And you're just like uh, overreaching uh, with everything. Like, I don't know. It's just, so take this for a grain of salt, but yes, I would pick up Christian. If he stays healthy, uh, we saw what he was able to do in the second half of last season. So uh, pick Christian Watson uh, and then probably do the opposite of my advice on fantasy stuff. But uh, if it were me, he would be definitely top of list for me uh trev um andy are you a green bay native also want to know about your scouting days all right so born in manitowoc uh, about what 45 minutes away from green bay spent all of like two weeks in manitowoc moved to green bay uh spent my entire life growing up in green bay went to sc- uh, went to college in oshkosh which is an hour south of green bay moved to madison uh which is about two and a half hours or two hours ish from green bay for about a year and a half then moved back to Green Bay and have been back here ever since. As far as scouting days, never was a scout myself. Did attend uh, two different um, scouting courses, if you will. National Football Post used to have a scouting course. They don't have it anymore. Went through that. That was actually pretty darn good. They actually did a really nice job of that. And then um, Sports Management Worldwide, uh, which was led at the time by Mark Dominic, who was the general manager of the Bucks. Uh, he was really cool to, to listen to and, and learn from and I got to go through that as well. So I went through both of those courses and, um, some, a lot of the stuff I knew, some of the stuff I learned, uh, and what it really helped open me up to was you know, just a, having something that was, you know, on my resume football related, I'm a history major from university of Wisconsin Oshkosh. So, you know, good luck getting into sports with that. But, um, it gave me something that I could, you know, point to and say, like, I've, I've gone through this, I've studied this. And that really helped, you know, kind of get my foot in the door in a variety of different places. And it certainly um, taught me a lot about the game and how to study it, how to grade it, those sort of things as well. So that is my background from a scouting standpoint. I quickly realized uh, right as I finished those classes um, was when my first, my oldest, who's now nine years old, um, was basically born. And I quickly realized like, all right, what you just added your first kid? What are you going to do? Go on the road and, and start scouting. Even if I could get my foot in that door, it just didn't make a lot of sense. So I transitioned to this instead. Um, a few years later started writing for cheese TV, came up with the packet a podcast and the rest was sort of history. All right. Um, let's see a lot of Christian Watts and stuff. Congrats on Nelson and Sitton. Agree, Patrick Taylor. Um, That is super exciting for them. I know it was uh, announced a while ago, uh, but still very, very exciting for them. Uh, Danny, I've got bad news for you, my friend. They never stream Family Night. I'm sure somebody, like we are in... 2023, so I'm not going to go out there and, and tell you to, to look for it in, in places you're not supposed to. But um, I'm sure you can probably find something on somewhere you're not supposed to. Would be my guess, but unfortunately, the Packers don't stream stream it for whatever reason. Because sometimes the the Packers are unfortunately still stuck in uh, you know the non digital age, if you will. All right, if uh, Rashawn Gary is back, how many sacks do we get on the Bears quarterback? Uh listen, Justin Fields very elusive, but uh I, I really like this Packers edge group. And you know, he's gonna hold on to the ball for quite a while. So there's definitely a lot of opportunities there. I think Rashawn, like, let's just talk about Rashawn for a second, though, on that side of the question. Let's just say he's ready to go week one and you know, um, and he's not on the pup list and he's playing inactive. I would still expect Rashawn to be on some sort of pitch count um early on in that season. Uh and I would expect that to be a lot of obvious passing downs. So that would be a good thing for those sack totals. But I would think maybe in that 20 to 30 range to start off for Rashawn and then sort of ramp him up through the course of the season. But that's going to be one of those things that is really interesting uh, to keep an eye on through the course of the season sideline report. I uh, just want to shout you out really quick, man. Um, I see you in the comments every single day. I'm trying to get to a point where I do better of responding to those comments and liking those comments. I'm getting there. I promise. Uh, but I, I, I see you there and I really appreciate you being such a huge supporter every single day. So just wanted to shout you out for, for that. Uh, and Brad, uh, I hear you, uh, football is my North star always realigns me. I'm right there with you. All right. So let's see here. What else do we got? Any other good questions here? All right. Gog, I guess. Are we more high on Quay or Devontae Wyatt at the end of the season? I'm assuming you're meaning the end of this season and not the end of last season. I listen, I really like Devontae Wyatt. Now as a draft pick coming out, I had a little bit of hesitation and trepidation just because he was 24 years old uh, as a rookie. And that gave me a a little bit of cause for concern and something that Green Bay usually doesn't do is draft an overage rookie um, at that point in the draft. But I did really like him. I thought he had the ability to penetrate, get up the field, and really make some explosive plays. The issue with Devontae, if you really go back, he only played what 300-ish snaps a season ago. If you watch him closely, and Brian even sort of alluded to this today, is that he mentioned that this this front group has a lot of opportunity to rush the passer and get up the field and penetrate and cause havoc, right? But you have to be able to stop the run if you want to get on the field as a defensive lineman. You have to stop the run first. You have to eat your vegetables, and then you can go and get after the passer and get after the quarterback. That's something that the Packers defense as a whole has struggled with, right? You got to be able to hold up at the point of attack against the run. you got to get into some of those second and third and long situations and then go hunt, right? But what Devontae struggled with was really holding up at the point of attack, specifically against double teams. You would see him at times, especially early in the season, get blown off the ball, and there'd be a huge gap in the middle of the field where teams could just run up. And that was an issue for him. The great thing about Devante, he's a freak athlete. Like you watch this guy move at his size and it is fun to watch. Like he's got a spin move. He's got an arm over. He's got a rip move. He's got a a variety of different things that he can win with at the line of scrimmage. And my favorite thing is that he works insanely hard and he is a big time hustle player. You don't always see that from high-end defensive tackles in this league that have freak athletic ability. Usually it's those guys that are like, oh, well, you know, we saw these flash plays, but you know, he took a couple of plays off here and there and didn't give it. That's not him at all. He works incredibly hard and is a big time hustle player. So the only thing that he has to put together is just figuring out how the, you know, how to hold up at the point of attack, play with better pad level, win with leverage. And if he can do that, Then you're talking about a big time player and worthy of that first pick, you know, first round pick a season to go with Quay. It's not that different, right? He covered pretty well, though. There were some assignment confusion from time to time, but he covered pretty well. Um, He showed off the sideline to sideline speed. He showed some intensity, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways, but you could tell he was thinking a lot. You And some of the time he had to call the plays because Devondre was out. Um, you could tell that caused some additional thinking as well. When we start seeing Quay just going and we saw some of that from time to time season go when he was just reacting and, and playing football, look out. That's when Quay's going to be at his best. But he's, you know, he tries really hard as well. He's just going to have to figure out, you know, have the game slow down a little bit. And then he also, in a different way, is going to have to work on the run defense and specifically getting off of blocks as well. So those are the two big things with Devontae and Quay. Um, They got to be better against the run. If they can be, they're going to be really good football players. If they can't be, they're going to be limited to more sub package stuff and certain things that they're only going to be able to do in obvious passing situations. So that is going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. But I am higher on Wyatt than I am on Quay. Quay is going to play more. And I think both of them have extremely high upsides. And now it's just a level, finding a level of consistency and having them play at that level of consistency, um, you know, game in and game out, which is something that a lot of players on this team are going to have to show that they can do. All right. Silent report again. Do you think Alex Magoo has a chance to be the 54th player on the Packers roster as a mascot QB? I'm not sure about a mascot QB or 54th player. He's probably fighting for a practice squad spot. And, you know, the, the big thing against Alex is he just got here. So he's learning the playbook. That is a very tough thing where everyone else, especially at the quarterback position, at all of OTAs, all of mini camps, and you know even Sean Clifford, a rookie, is ahead of him in that regard, right? So he's going to have to pick all of that up and learn all of that. Plus, you know Jordan's going to get a ton of reps And then after that, they're probably going to want to see a lot of Sean Clifford, at least as much as they can to make a a real good evaluation of him. They've seen Danny Etling for a couple seasons now. They're not going to need to see as much of him and trying to get a fourth quarterback reps is going to be very, very tough. So Alex is probably fighting for a spot on the practice squad if we're being real. And quite frankly, I like his odds of getting on the practice squad, at least um, having a a really good chance to do that. I think we forget Danny Etling, I think just turned 30. If not, he's he's 29, about to turn 30 if memory serves. Um, Somebody can fact check. Me on that if they want, uh, but Danny Elling is no you know like young developmental quarterback. If he can't win the number two quarterback job now, it's it's probably just done. Like it, 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 the the experiment's probably over, right? And then in that situation, you probably just go with Sean as the two, and then you probably go with Alex on the practice squad as a developmental guy there who won a literal MVP in another football league. So I think he has a really good chance to to catch on as a practice squad QB, but probably nothing more than that at that point. All right. Uh, the finesse kid. Thanks so much for the chat. Uh, any more likely that Jonathan Owens or Tavarius Moore ends up starting? I will say Tavarius Moore. I mean, good luck handicapping this safety battle because I mean, first of all, it's various more just on the non-football injury list. Right. So that's not a great start, uh, but I, you know, in, in many camps and OTAs, it was Rudy Ford and Tavares Moore sort of flipping off between um, the, the starting safety spot opposite of Darnell Savage. But I think Savage is still going to have to earn his way. I think he's the by far leader in the clubhouse for one of those starting safety spots. And then Tavares Moore. And Rudy Ford probably start, but Jonathan Owens is starting this league. He could easily get his name in the conversation. You know, I still think Innis Gaines, Anthony Johnson Jr., if they play well, I think those guys could get their name in the conversation. So, a lot of different players that are at least, you know, within reach of that spot. Now it's just to see like who goes out and ultimately wins it. And your guess is as good as mine, but I, I would say to start with Rudy Ford and Tavarius Moore seem to be the two that are going to get the-, the biggest look, but m- things change from OTAs to training camp. And we'll see if any of that changes come training camp tomorrow. All right. Uh, have been a fan of Innes Gaines. You and me both uh, volition. Would like to see him play some slot behind Nixon, but it'll be tough for him to make the roster with the safety log jam. We have, I think there's a, a couple things there, right? So, I think the the great thing for Ennis is that, A, he's a good special teams player. B, he plays safety. C, we did see him play in the slot a season ago. And Green Bay doesn't have, like outside of Keyshawn Nixon, that slot position, that, that next guy up in slot is very much up for grabs. Like Shamar John Charles is the other one that's played a lot of slot. This is a put up or shut up time for Shamar. And if they don't see something out of Shamar, you might say, well, what about Carrington Valentine? He's an outside guy. He's not, I don't think he's going to be a slot guy. I think he's very much going to be an outside guy. Eric Stokes is an outside guy. Razul Douglas is an outside guy. They want Jair to primarily be an outside guy. Um, You know, Corey Valentine uh, is a, or Corey Valentine. God, I'm going to do that a million freaking times. Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, Corey Valentine is an outside guy. Like they don't have a ton in the slot. It's, it's kind of, uh, you know, basically Nixon, and then uh, maybe Innis Gaines, maybe Shamar Jean-Charles, but that that backup slot spot definitely could be something that's up for grabs, and I think the big thing with Innis is the more you can do, the better. He's a special teams guy. He's a safety, and he can play in the slot, so it's going to give him some opportunity to, to have a chance to make the roster. Uh, does Matt LaFleur see, see Musgrave like McVay saw a cup by the end of training camp? I don't know that I would say Cooper Cup exactly, but I can promise you that, after seeing OTAs and mini camps and rookie mini camps, Matt Lafleur spent a lot of time doodling in his notebook, figuring out how to utilize Luke Musgrave. And there's going to be certainly a lot of Luke Musgrave at tight end, but there's going to be a lot of movement with him as well. And it's going to be tough for Musgrave in year one to pick up a lot of the blocking stuff, but he is the, pl- the type of player that you don't want to take off the field. And to the point that I would argue, your three best receivers, you know, your three best pass catchers. I think from a very early point, your three most talented pass catchers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs and Luke Musgrave in whatever order you want to put them. Um, so that to me is a, a way to like, how do you get them on the field? And you know, whether that's Musgrave is tight end one, whether that's him lined up in the slot as a big wide receiver, whether that's in the red zone lined up wide like they used to do with your Michael Finley, you're going to see him used in a variety of different ways just to try to get him schemed up on mismatches because you guys are about to see and find out what we saw at OTAs and mini camps in the media. This is a fast, tall, big, great hands, great body control, just ridiculous dude of a tight end. And it's funny because I posted back to back videos of Tucker craft and Luke Musgrave of like running like the same route in, in practice. And Tucker craft did it great. He looked really good doing it. And then everyone's like, man, Tucker craft looks slow and he doesn't look very good. No, Tucker craft looked good. Luke Musgrave just looked alien. He looked different. Like there is a different and I've had to like sort of try to like temper my own expectations of like, oh, it's the rookie tight end. Like we haven't even seen the pads come on. We've seen this before. It's, you know, it can be fools gold. like settle down. And I, I can't temper my expectations with Luke Musgrave. That's right. I have unreasonable expectations we'll see. I don't want to, and I think the biggest thing is I don't want to put unreasonable expectations on him because I don't think that's ever fair to a a rookie type player. These guys take a while to develop and we've seen different players hit that maturity, you know, stage at different points in their career. But Man, he is just tantalizing as a player. And like I said, I think Matt LaFleur is going to spend a ton of time figuring out how they can get him in mismatches because if they do look out because he can out jump and out and just out height. A lot of the, the corners, he's going to be able to outpace linebackers and safeties. And he's just going to be a, a mismatch nightmare, I think for defenses and the sooner he can pick up the offense and the sooner green Bay figures out a way to utilize him in some very special ways. I think you're going to see some really, really fun stuff from Luke Musgrave. And if he can be a decent blocker and really get that tight end one spot down. And I'll, I'll the last thing I'll say here on Musgrave, Luke Van S the first pick, did not get handed anything. He was with the like second and third team defense down on the other side. Like Tucker Craft was down with the second teamers. I think he got some work with the ones, but like these guys don't get handed positions in OTAs and mini camps. Luke Musgrave was tight end one from day one. He was tight end number one immediately, and I expect that to carry over. We're going to see a lot of Luke Musgrave. They're going to throw him to the wolves, see what he can do, and uh, I'm hopeful that he is going to be a big-time player in this Matt LaFleur offense. All right. Let's see what else here. Thoughts on the new kicker. Thanks Heather. Appreciate the chat and appreciate the question. Uh, this is, this is a a kicker that I think is, uh, let me just say this. Like, I don't know. We're not going to know much about the kicker until we see him in games, right? And how clutch he is. The ball comes off his foot different. Like there is a sound to it that is just really fun. Like it just explodes off of his foot. Now it's great to have good power in a a big leg. That's fun. And it's going to really help on kickoffs. He just has to be accurate, and he wasn't always in college. What I will tell you that leaves me feeling confident is the person who trusts in Anders Carlson is Rich Passachia. If Rich Passachia trusts in Anders Carlson, I trust in Anders Carlson. But time is going to tell. There's a lot of youth and inexperience on this team. Kicker is no different, and it's going to take him time to, I think, settle down and find his rhythm. I think the other hard thing here is there's two long snappers in camp. There's two punters in camp, which means there's two holders in camp which means you're going to have a variety of different combinations from long snapper to holder that he's going to have to work with. And I don't think that that, you know, long snapper and punter slash holder battle is going to uh, get decided until the end of camp. So He's going to have to sort of go into warp speed towards the, you know, once camp is done and once they make those cuts to try to get into a rhythm with his holder and his long snapper, whoever that ends up being. Uh, But that's going to be something that's going to take a little bit of time as well. But I am uh, hopeful that he can come out and and kick well right away. Really big leg. Like I said, ball explodes off of his foot, but it's all going to come down to accuracy. All right. Will I be at family night? Yes, I will. Harrison. Uh, Let's see. Sam, you are more than welcome, happy to do it. Uh, as you can tell, there's nothing in the world I would rather be doing than talking Packers every single day. Uh, this is an interesting one. All right, so Noxical, uh, why is everyone underestimating us so bad? The NFC North seems so wide open with terrible teams, especially with the Lions, Bears, and Vikings' awful defense. You know, it's interesting. Um, I recently did an article um, and did all of the like odds for the Packers this year. I was pretty shocked to see that Green Bay had the worst odds for winning the NFC North for making a playoff spot and for winning a Super Bowl of any team in the NFC North. That surprised the heck out of me. And that's where I think Green Bay is being underestimated. And I think, you know, listen, they have the biggest, you know, maybe unknown team in the NFL, like whatever we think Jordan love is going to be, whatever we think Justin Fields is going to be, whatever we think Jared Goff is like Jared Goff. Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields have on field productivity that we have seen. Now you can place that wherever you want on the spectrum, but there is known productivity out of those three quarterbacks. Jordan, nobody knows any, I mean, like even Mark Murphy's comment of like, Oh, it's going to take half the year uh, for us to know what Jordan love is. Like there's some truth to that. So I think the the odds makers and the the betters and the sports books, et cetera, are putting a lot on Jordan from an unknown standpoint but you you have a lot of unknowns on this team. And I, that's what makes this so fun to me is like the young wide receivers, the young tight ends, like Zach, Tom, where is he going to end up on the offensive line, uh, defensive you know line, Devonte Wyatt, TJ Slayton, even Lucas Van Ness kicking inside Colby Wood Carl Brooks, ton of young inexperienced players, right? Quay Walker, Inigbare, Van Ness, you know, when does Rashawn Gary get back? You know, what is uh, Keyshawn Nixon going to do in the slot? You've got, you know, when does Stokes come back? You've got safety that's a complete unknown. We just talked about kicker. We don't know who the punter and the long snap are going to be like unknowns abound on this team. I think what's really fun and exciting as a Packer fan is there are potential answers to each of those. Jordan Love could be really, really good. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samori Touré could all be really good. Luke Musgrave. Tucker Craft could all be really good. Zach Tom could be really good. Devonte Wyatt could be really, really good. Like all there, there's a lot of baked in answers to a lot of these questions. That the, like all of these guys could be good, but there are so many unknowns. It's just really, really tough. I think for sports books and people that are betting on this thing from a national standpoint to be like they have a lot of faith in Green Bay. I think we're all optimistic, but it's going to take some time. I think for for people to figure out um, exactly what Green Bay is. I think it's going to take Green Bay a little bit of time. But I think the fun thing also. They, they don't play a, a playoff team from last year until what week eight against the Minnesota Vikings. And I don't think anyone's expecting really the Vikings to be a playoff team this year necessarily. So this is a, this is a conference that is up for grabs. This is a division in my opinion, that is up for grabs. There are seven playoff spots and green Bay has the ability, especially with the schedule and with a lot of veterans still on this team. If Jordan plays anywhere near like average to good, they're going to be in that conversation. Whether that means seven and 10, eight and, nine, nine and eight, 10 and seven, seven, somewhere on there. I don't know, but that like I said, that's what makes this so fun, so interesting and so much opportunity on this team. All right, I want to hit up these super chats really quick. Thank you so much. Uh Andrew, if Musgrave breaks your heart, will you ever trust another rookie again? Also, as a point of reference, is he better or worse than Lazard as a blocker? All right, let's uh let's go to the first part first. If Musgrave breaks my heart, will I ever trust another rookie again? Yes. Uh yes, I will. Um and here's the thing. I I'm not putting any guarantees on Luke Musgrave and I, as much as, and that's why I've tried to temper my own expectations, right? He is chock full of talent. He's not a good blocker yet. And I saw that in OTAs firsthand in mini So, you know, uh, firsthand, I do think his college tape was when I went through and watched every snap that I could of Luke Musgrave. I do think there was some blocking stuff there that I was excited by. Most notably, you could tell he cared about it. He wanted to be good at it. He hit his landmarks. Like he had an attention to detail about it that told me, all right, like he may not be like the most physically imposing blocker yet, but he can at least be a get in the way and effort blocker, which is where Robert Tunyon started, which is better than Jimmy Graham ever was, which is better than other tight ends on this roster have been in the past. So I'm confident that that is going to come along based on what I saw in college with his attention to detail and his effort doing it, even if he wasn't good at it, but that's going to take some time. If we know anything about rookie tight ends, we know that, it is also going to take some time and rookies in general take some time. So as excited and juiced up and jacked up that I am about Luke Musgrave until you see this come to fruition in games, it's all fool's gold. And to some extent, Jaden Reed, Lucas Van S, we can be excited about them, but this is why scouts don't get excited about players in July um, when, you know, after they've drafted them, it takes not only the first year, but uh, like, look at Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes, after his first year, we're all like, oh, that's going to be a long time starting corner. And then last year, pre-injury, he didn't look anything like a starter in his second season. He just didn't. So like, there's no guarantee that that stuff just always stays consistent. That's why like the NFL is so tough and it will um, it will humble you very quickly the moment that you maybe take your foot off the gas a little bit. So Luke has every ingredient that he needs to be a star tight end in this league. The best tight end that they've had since Jermichael Finley, easily. Will he be that? that's up to him. And that's going to you know remain to be seen, but you could easily break my heart. Wouldn't be the first time won't be the last time. Uh, but I am super hopeful because he possesses everything that he needs to be a big time player in this league. Uh, better or worse than Lazard as a blocker. This is a hot take. And uh, I hope nobody will get mad at me for this. Lazard was slightly overrated as a blocker. He was fine to good. He was not great. He was a good blocker. I enjoyed watching him block. He was good. He was not like this all he was not like a Heinz Ward all-time devastating run blocker. He was good. And good being a good blocker is a good thing. So I'm not saying he was bad. I'm not saying it was terrible. He was good. But I think people had this like image of Lazard as like, oh, this guy's just an you know intimidator on the outside and just a beat. He was good. And I like that's why when like people are like, oh, they should just move Alan Lazard to tight end. No, he would get demolished as a tight end, as a blocker. He is not in that range. So I do think Musgrave, uh, at least in that same uh, realm and conversation, like if you put Luke Musgrave out wide, I think they would be in a similar conversation right now, but Musgrave has a much higher ceiling as a blocker long-term as a tight end. All right. Enough about that. Enough about talking about New York Jets players. Uh, do you believe Christian Watson can be top 10 this year? Like top 10 wide receiver, uh, top 10 player in the league? No. Top 10 wide receiver. Can he be? Yes. What I expect. And first of all, Josh, thanks for the super chat. Really appreciate that. Um, there are so many super talented wide receivers in this league. Like we are in a golden age of wide receivers. So I would not expect him to be a top 10 wide receiver this year, but listen, this guy has everything. And we talk about Luke Musgrave being a really fun, super athletic freak. That can be a massive player. Like I think it was Zach Cruz. I know a couple of us were talking about this, but I think Zach Cruz maybe brought up originally of like Luke Musgrave is to tight end this year. What? Christian Watson was to wide receiver last year, just souped up freak dudes that are going to be able to do some special things on the field. We don't know when that's going to hit. We don't want know when that consistency is going to come into play, but we saw it out of Christian Watson through the second half of last year where he just lit the league on fire basically in the second half of the year. So could he be a top 10 wide receiver? Yes. Do I think that that consistency through a 17 game season is maybe going to be there in year two? No, but it wouldn't shock me. And I certainly think the high I like very, very highly of Christian Watson and think he's in for a very big season along with Romeo Dobbs. All right, Patrick, thank you for this as well. Uh who can match our four tight end set with Jones and love number one? Uh who can match our four tight end set? I'm not sure I totally understand the question, but I do like uh the four tight end set, like just the four tight ends that they have. And I do think there's a lot of There's good variety, maybe not great variety because they're missing that one key piece in my opinion, which is that like big time blocking tight end. If Tyler Davis is your best blocking tight end, which isn't terrible, by the way, he's a better blocker than I think people give him credit for. But if he's your best blocking tight end, you're probably missing a piece there. I do wonder if they'll use a little bit of a sixth offensive lineman in some of those situations, which is what they did with Rick Wagner when Mercedes Lewis was out in 2020. So that could be something that they use to sort of get by that but I do really, really like the the four tight ends that they have. I think Tyler Davis is going to be the best version of himself that we saw. I already like some of the stuff I saw in OTAs and many camps. I know people don't want to hear that because they don't like Tyler Davis for some reason, but I think he's going to be a player that gets on the field and has an impact on this team because I do think he's probably their best blocker right now. The probably that H back fullback role with a little bit of tight end and some other stuff mixed in. And then of course we're going to see a lot of, of Luke Musgrave and Tucker craft as well. So like the group, but they also have a lot to prove because Davis and Deguara haven't exactly proved a ton at this point in their careers either yet. So a lot of opportunity there. And that's the key word for this entire Packers team with all those young players. A ton of opportunity for this team. Thanks for the chat, Patrick. Sorry if I misunderstood your question.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: All right. Uh, we are going to love watching Jaden Reed. He played so much, played so hard for MSU, he was such a good fit for us. Really, really like Jaden Reed. I will say, of maybe all the rookies, like it would be the one that maybe in OTAs and many camps, I would say maybe just pump the brakes just a tiny bit. I watched just all of his like Michigan State tape that I could. I was as excited as you were. I think, you know, when you are a bit of a young, you know, undersized wide receiver, mostly slot type of guy. It just is like, you have to be so great at all the minutia because, you know, he like the corners are fast too. Like he's not just going to run away from NFL corners, right? He's not going to out jump them. He's not going to out muscle them. So he has to win with route running and technique and savvy, right? And sometimes as a young wide receiver, that stuff takes time. Now he has some legit run after the catch stuff. He is a very fun player. I think he could legitimately wrestle the punt return job away from Keyshawn Nixon, where Nixon is a better kick returner than a punt returner. And I think with Nixon playing slot full time, they're going to want to take something off of his plate. I think Jaden Reed could potentially get the punt returner job. I think he is going to play and I think he's going to have some sort of impact, but I would just say that might be one where it might take, uh, you know, maybe year two, maybe even year three. Remember like not all as much as we want to think and sit here today, that all of these rookies are just going to be awesome. Now it's not going to happen, right? A handful of these rookies are going to be busts. A couple of them are going to take two or three years to develop, and a couple of them are going to be really good right away. And that's normal. And you know, I know with thirteen of them, you're hoping maybe for a little bit more of an impact. And maybe that is Jaden Reed. And maybe Luke Musgrave ends up sucking. And maybe Jaden Reed is a Pro Bowler his first year. Who the heck knows? But. I would say just because you have to be so perfect as a slot wide receiver when you're a little bit undersized, not going to run away from people anymore. That would be the one that I'd say maybe just like a slight, slight pump of the brakes. Uh, All right. Brandon Miller, do you think this golden age wide receivers make top 20 wide receiver, the new top 10? I don't know. Maybe like if you're a good, like a really good number one wide receiver, like you are a very good wide receiver. Like that's just where we are right now with all these amazing wide receivers, the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar chases, Devonte Adams, Tyree kill. Like we can go on and on. Like the list is insane. And there are seemingly one or two really good wide receivers on just about every single roster. But I think Green Bay and developing Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson is going to be there, you know, right there. And I think Christian Watson has the ability to be a massive playmaker. And ultimately that's what this league is about is making big time plays. And Christian Watson, certainly a player that can do that on a consistent basis. Appreciate that chat, Brandon. All right, Emmett, I think you are next, my friend. Carl Brooks play inside or go the Mike Neal route. Both were over 290 out of college and shed some weight to play the edge very much expect him to be a interior pass rusher to begin with, or an interior defensive lineman to begin with would expect. We see him more on passing downs than on running downs. However, I do think there's some interesting stuff that you could do with him where you were in for those not familiar with Carl Brooks, six round pick Bowling green played all over the place at Bowling green played nose tackle, defensive end edge rusher. Like they used him in a variety of different ways and he just knew how to get penetration. He knew how to get into the backfield, tackles for loss, sacks. He was a beast. He was unstoppable, right? Didn't test the greatest. And there were some of those like, all right, is he kind of like a tweener? Can he? Is he like a too big of an edge rusher? Is he too small of a pass rusher? Like, what is he going to be? I do think there's a world in which he can be a stand-up edge rusher or excuse me, a stand-up edge player on running downs where he's just physically setting the edge. Like you've got a 290 pound guy that can set the edge. Like that's, that's a really good thing. Like you would like to see that. And I think he can do that. And I think that's a really unique use of him. But then I think he can also rush inside on passing downs and potentially get some of that penetration from inside as well. So I think they're going to ease him in. I think they're going to start him as an interior defensive tackle, probably in pass rush situations, see if they can get him to do that well first then start putting more on his plate if he can sort of master that first part. But I think it's going to have to, you know, just kind of take some time where he starts developing. You know, this is a six round pick. If you get anything out of that, that's a bonus, right? Let's see if he can get to the passer first as an interior defensive lineman and then sort of start using him in different ways after that. All right. Noxical, thanks so much for the chat. I was waiting for the Tom Grassi expert podcast. I will get uh, Tom on at some point. Don't worry. Uh, I, I definitely will. I've been wanting to give Tom a little bit of time, certainly, uh, since, you know, obviously coming off his 30 for 30, as you can imagine, he's insanely busy and I think still, you know, catching up from all of his time away from home. Um, shout out to Tom for doing everything that he did. And uh, Tom knows that he is a open invitation on the Packaday podcast anytime that he wants to come on. Uh, So yeah, we'll, we'll get Tom on at some point, I promise. Um, And would have loved to have him on during expert week as well, but uh, we'll get him on sooner rather than later. And uh, just a a timing thing more than anything right now. All right. I think we got all of those. All right. Let's see. What else do we got here? All right. So the Green Bay Packers may not be done adding to their quarterback room on the eve of training camp. They worked out quarterback Jacob Yeah, I think this, like they worked out five players, four wide receivers and a quarterback. No players were added at this point, but I think you're going to see a lot of that with Green Bay, just bringing in new guys every single day. This is also the time where Green Bay starts stacking their emergency board. Um, So like through the course of the season, they want to see as many players as they can. So if guys go down with injury, they're going to then call up players from their practice squad and then they're going to need to add new guys to the practice squad. So just like they want to see as many players as they can during this time. So you're going to start seeing like them work out three, four or five guys you know, more often than not, some of those guys will sign more often than not, they won't sign those players, uh, but they're going to start stacking their emergency board for some of those players. All right. Um, who Packers just signed a new wide receiver. Did, who did I miss? Um, somebody fill me in if I've been, uh, away here. All right. I don't see anything on my immediate feed. So I'm wondering if it was maybe just a workout instead, but I don't know if, if somebody has uh info, definitely, uh, put it in the chat and we can talk about it if I, uh, If I actually know who it is, it's not one of the guys that they worked out today, which those four wide receivers, quite transparently, I knew absolutely nothing about. All right. Um, Let's see. Given our abysmal run defense, will we play more base on second down? Can Barry write the run ship? This is, if you want to know the biggest X factor and just question mark going into the season, this is it. Um, So to me, they allowed five yards per carry on, you know, uh, run. So we're like Cody crest. It sounds like they signed. Was there a corresponding move? Anyone uh, know that as well yet, but uh, all right. It sounds like four, three, five Harvard grad. Andrew's got it covered. And see Andy's always know uh, what's going on. Um, I'll have to look into him and see if I can do some uh, quick scouting work on him tonight and see if I can do, um, you know, a little bit more update on him, but I uh, will be totally transparent. I know nothing about Cody crest wide receiver out of Harvard, other than if Andrew's right, that he's got four, three, five, 40 speed, which is always a, a good thing to have. Uh, be interested to see what uh, what corresponding move that they made, uh, but sorry, run defense. Um, th- this is going to be the big thing, right? This is a team that has really struggled. to What I call eat its vegetables on early downs. Like you've got to be able to put in the 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 crappy work, right? Listen, none of these guys want to be run defenders. They all want to get paid. They all want to get to the quarterback. They all want to get their sacks. This is a defense that has to play much more sound, firm, rally to the football, extreme tackling all of that, 11 guys moving together defense on early downs. And if you do that, it's going to set you up on the second and third and longs to be able to go get, you know, get after the quarterback, which is something Green Bay did a good job of. It's just, they were never in second and third and longs. And I'm telling you right now, I don't care if it's Joe Barry. I don't care if it's Bill Belichick. I don't care if it's Fritz Shermer. I don't care if it's Vince Lombardi. I don't care who it is. If you constantly have to try to scheme up a defense where it's second and third and short and they can pass the ball they can run the ball and they can go play action and the world is their oyster and they can do anything they freaking want. You're in no man's land as a defensive coordinator. You might as well have a magic eight ball and say, should I blitz? And then it says, yes. And like, All right, well blitz, I don't know, whatever. Like you are just so screwed at that point because everyone has to be on high alert for everything. Like if it, like offenses are hard enough to stop right now in the NFL, if they are predictable, if it's third and 10 and you know, they're going to throw, it is hard to stop these quarterbacks and wide receivers in the NFL. If you're throwing your hands up being like, I don't know if they're gonna run or pass, you're just screwed more often than not. So, uh, yes, they need to do a much better job on run defense, and that goes to Slayton and Wyatt and Kenny Clark and Koi Walker, you know, uh Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, their safeties screaming up. If they want to play those two safeties deep, those guys got to get up and fill their gaps, their corners on the outside. Jair needs to be a little bit more aggressive and more physical. Razul certainly will be, but like. This is going to take all 11 on early downs to be better on run defense. And if they can't, it's going to be a lot of second and third and shorts. It's going to be a lot of first down conversions. It's going to a lot of bleeding the clock. And you're going to see a lot of, you know, 12 play 80 yard, frustrating touchdown drives that leave you pulling out your hair and asking for Joe Barry to be fired. Those guys don't play run defense on early downs. You're just, it's, it just is what it is. So um, they're going to have to be a lot better on early downs. They can't allow five yards per rush. The good news is, there's is really only one way, you know, way to go when you're allowing five yards per carry on the ground. Um, and that's hopefully better, knock on wood, but if they can't be, then it's going to be a long year on defense again. All right. Uh, let's see. All right. Tanya, thanks so much for the chat. Uh, I guess, Matt, Tanya, Matt, I don't know. Matt from California. Thanks for the show. How long do you give the trial period for Jordan Love? When do you start uh, investigating in quarterback if trial period is bad? Uh, Well, let's not even put that in the ether quite yet. Uh, Tanya slash Matt, if that is your real name. Um, I I do think that this first year for the most part is the big trial. Listen, they signed him to a one-year extension, right? If this season is great, he's the guy. He's going to be the guy. And that trial period is basically over. And they're probably going to try to extend him still this season, even beyond that one year. If it's okay, they probably go into next season as trial year 2.0. And they may grab another quarterback on day three of the draft, maybe day two, if they get a little frisky, um, just to sort of add some, you know, maybe some fire there. But if he's okay, I think there probably is a second trial year next year. And if he's bad slash really bad, which again, we're not going to manifest and not going to speak into uh, existence, but if that were to happen in a different multiverse, then I think Green Bay would be as aggressive as they need to be next year, knowing that Jordan's only on one year left of his deal. And the one year that they saw him as a starter, he was really bad. And if he's really bad with a super young inexperienced team, you're probably looking at what uh, if Jordan Love were to be really bad. And again, that other multiverse, not ours. Um, you're probably looking at four or five wins, which is going to put you pretty high in that, you know, potential quarterback draft slot next year. So, um, In that other multiverse, that could be potentially what would happen, but I think Jordan's going to at least be good enough where he gets probably another trial year next year, and they don't aggressively look to take a quarterback in the draft, and then, you know, you would kind of go from there, and hopefully he's just awesome, and then we can put that whole thing to rest, and he gets a long-term extension, and the Bears and Vikings and Lions fans have to put their hands up in the air and say, like, what the hell did we deserve to, you know, deserve 50 years of, you know, immaculate quarterback play, right? All right. All right, Kayla, I should probably read these questions before posting them up, huh? Hey, Andy, I'm curious to hear your take on this. What's the game? What's the game all time you think the Packers got the most screwed by the refs? Maybe it's recency bias, but for me, it's always the NFC Championship game against Tampa. I am not a, a big the refs won or lost a game sort of guy. There's a million different opportunities throughout the course of a game. The Jerry Rice fumble is one that certainly stands out to me. The I don't even know that there was listen, Green Bay could have done three or four different things in that Tampa game where the refs wouldn't have even played a part and they didn't do their side of things. They fumbled the ball. They had some poor plays. They dropped some picks. They, we don't, we know the Kevin King play. Like if they just take care of business, the refs aren't even involved in that. So I am more upset if like, if I could have anything, I just want the players to play better than the refs to call things differently. Um, I, the one that I would say, the one that I was like legitimately furious by was the fail Mary. Like that, that's the one where, you just throw your hands up and say like, all right, these stupid substitute refs legitimately cost you a game. Like that's the one to me. Um, I don't know if you said playoff game, but that was the one that they, no, I think you just said Packers game, but um, yeah, that's the one to me that you, I, I was legitimately frustrated by. We're just like, screw this. That was stupid. All right. Andy, thanks so much. Love the live chat. What is the one thing you feel like eh, like the true LeFleur offense will have more than last season? Andy, there is a very easy question or easy answer for this. And again, appreciate the chat there. That's using the middle of the field. That's it. Like, I think that is going to be the biggest change that, I mean, Aaron became basically allergic to throwing in the middle of the field. I posted a video last year of a tight end coming wide open down the middle of the field and Rogers is staring right at him. Nothing wouldn't pull the trigger. Right. So I think you're going to see Jordan for better and sometimes for worse, utilize the middle of the field a little bit more. Listen, there's going to be more opportunity. There's going to be more explosive plays. Um, But at at the same token, you're going to have some more risk throwing over the middle of the field as well. And it's not just Aaron, and it's not just Jordan's propensity to throw in the middle of the field. They spent day two of the draft this year getting guys that are going to help you in the middle of the field. Luke Musgrave we talked about. Tucker Kraft, we talked, you know, we didn't talk about, but he's going to be another guy that's going to be able to win some in the middle of the field. Jaden Reed in the slot. Those are three players that are going to open up that middle of the field and give you a target to utilize in that sort of situation. So it's not just that Aaron is gone. It's not just that Matt is going to want to utilize that area more. It's not just that Jordan's more comfortable throwing in that area of the field, but it's also that they got more guys that are going to be able to win there as well, in my opinion. So I think you're going to see this team target the middle of the field a lot more you're going to see them use a little bit more, um, you know, under center play action. I think you're going to see a little bit more read option where, uh, Jordan actually keeps it. Now I'm not saying consistently, I'm not saying this is going to be a run threat offense with Jordan running the ball in any capacity, but a wrinkle here or there where Jordan could keep the ball where Aaron didn't really want to the last couple of years. Yeah. I think you could see some of that from, from Jordan as well. All right. Uh, let's see. Noxical you are uh, on it. Um, I think you uh, probably have uh, a future as an offensive coordinator. Four verts, no huddle, can't be stopped. There's no defense that could possibly uh, figure out a way to, to cover that in real life. So hopefully Matt leans on that a little bit more. All right, any other questions we got here? I'm ready to go for at least another 15 minutes if you guys got more questions for me know some are streaming in. I know I probably, if I missed your question earlier, like I'm all over the place on the chat thing here. So if I missed it, feel free to ask it again. And I'm uh, more than happy to to take any here. If you do have a, a super chat, I will get to that for sure. For sure. Here we go. Thanks, Patrick. All right. Love your work. Higher likelihood. Love outperforms or Rogers underperforms? As a football fan, I hope they're both awesome. I hope they both tear it up. I think that's what's best for the game, right? I hope I hope it's Packers, Jets, and the Super Bowl. That would be really, really fun and really, really entertaining. Uh, maybe not for everyone. Maybe that'd be a little nerve-wracking. But, man, imagine that being the outcome this season, right? Uh, I do think oh, that's a really tough question. I'll say Rodgers underperforms simply because it seems right now in New York, and this was always going to be the case and sort of expected, like the expectations are just like they are already beyond through the roof, right? So if Rogers is like ten and seven and has like the season he had last year, like people are just going to be like massively disappointed because I think they're expecting MVP, greatest offense of all time, and that AFC is really, really, really tough. The schedule that they have is really, really, really tough. So I love the weapons that they have on offense, and I you know, again don't want to spend too much time on the the New York jetpacks here. But um, I do think that the expectations are so high in New York right now that I think it's going to be easier for Aaron to underperform than maybe it is going to be for Jordan to overperform, especially given so much youth and inexperience at wide receiver and tight end. But um, like I said, I'm I'm cheering for uh, everyone that is, you know, of those caliber of players to be really, really good in Aaron and Jordan. And just because I think that makes things so much more fun in the NFL. All right, Um, Andy, how many design quarterback runs does the Matt LaFleur tree have? I, I don't know how to answer that to be frank, Patrick. I don't have never seen the playbook, uh, but I guarantee there are like, there's design, you know, obviously bootlegs with run options. There are, you know, run pass options uh, as a quarterback. Like there are certainly those where, you know, you've got reads where you can keep it as a QB. So uh, there's some of that in there. I'm sure there's a little bit more with a young Jordan love than there was with a, you know, 38 year old Aaron Rodgers, but um, it's not going to either way. It's not going to be a ton, but there will be a smattering slash sprinkling here and there. If they want to throw that in from every time to time, just to kind of keep defenses honest more than anything else. Uh, Let's see. Do you see Goot Murphy and LaFleur? And I I always forget this, but thank you everyone for all the questions. This is amazing. Do you see Goot Murphy and LaFleur tied together no matter what through Murphy's tenure? Seems like they have made this bed together. I hope they end up all like together. Like I hope that everything just goes well and they all do amazing. That would be awesome. I don't see Matt going anywhere unless things go poorly. Like I don't think some team's going to offer him like head coach plus GM or anything like that. I don't think Brian's going anywhere. So really the only way that things happen is if something goes wrong. And usually I would guess, this is just my guess, I would guess that it's not both LaFleur and Goot at once. Usually, you know, Murphy would probably have to be in the decision in, in of like, all right, was this Matt that didn't coach things right? Or was this Goot that didn't acquire the right players? And again, I, I don't think we're anywhere near those things. I think the Packers and the organization have a ton of faith in both Matt LaFleur and Brian gutikins and as of now, they should. But listen, 2023 is the start of a massive evaluation for this entire organization. This is the first time you are post Aaron Rodgers and post Brett Favre. You are 30 years of MVP quarterback play. And now you've got a relative unknown at quarterback. And now like sort of everyone is under the microscope. We know Joe Barry's under the microscope on the def, you know defensive side of the ball. Jordan Love under the microscope for the first time. And I mean, that is going to be an intense microscope as a first time starting quarterback. Matt LaFleur in his offense, was he 13 wins through his first three seasons because of Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, or is this a really good head coach who can run a successful offense with a, you know, maybe a less uh, talented quarterback as well. We're going to learn a lot about Matt LaFleur in this offense and who he is as a head coach, Brian Gutekunst, a lot of the talent that was on this team that won those 13. And I'm a big fan of Brian Gutekunst and I think he's done a really nice job overall, but Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Clark, um, you know, obviously uh, we can go on Devonte Adams when he first took over, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, we can go on and on, but there were a handful of players like the, some of the best players on this team that were Ted's that, you know, he took over, right. And including the, you know, the MVP, four-time MVP quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. So we're going to learn a lot about Gute as well. So this is going to be a all eyes on everyone in this organization. When you had the season that you had last year, when they spent a ton of money and did everything they could to try to win a super bowl last year. And you don't make the playoffs. Matt has the, you know, plausible deniability of saying, Hey, we won 13 games the last three years. Wasn't me. And Goo can say, Hey, look where we were before I took over. Like we were out of the playoffs. Like this team was starting to head in the wrong direction. And I got us going into again, three straight 13 win seasons. And, you know, back-to-back NFC championship games. Like it's, it's not my fault. And Aaron can, you know, Aaron would have been like, Hey, I won MVP the last two years. It wasn't my fault. Like everyone, Joe Barry can say the only reason we had an opportunity to get into the playoffs at the end of last year was because of the defense. It's not my fault. And everyone can kind of Spider-Man point to, to everyone else. And that's why this year they decided, you know, all right, we're gonna take one of those Spider-Man out. And Aaron, you're gonna go play Spider-Man in New York and, and be Peter Parker for the Jets. Um, but we're going to keep everyone else. And we're just going to evaluate everything here. So the the fingers are going to be pointed still at everyone. And it's going to be up to everyone in this organization, from Russ Ball, to Goody, to um, Matt LaFleur, to Jordan Love, to the players, to the, you know, assistant coaches, et cetera, to make sure that this thing goes in the right direction. And I think it will, but it, it's all, you know, the gloves are off now and, and everyone's going to be evaluating everyone at this point. All right. Yes. Uh, running man. Thank you so much. Sure to hit that like button subscribe. If you haven't already, uh, make sure you check out the Pack a podcast every day. Really appreciate that. Um, you guys are the absolute best. All right. Ethan, who do you think ends up being the best player from this rookie class in three years on the Packers? Of course. I mean, I think their first two players are, and I, this is low hanging fruit, and it's not a super bold prediction. I love the Luke's Lucas van Ness. Uh, I think has the ability to be, like I said, an impact player from day one. He is as advertised. He looks like Hercules. He is all of 6'5, 275, chiseled out of whatever you want to chisel a, a Hercules out of. Um, he's going to be good from day one, in my opinion. And I don't think there's ever any looking back. I think he's just going to be a really, really good football player. How high of a ceiling he reaches, like I said with Luke Musgrave earlier, that's going to be up to him. Luke Musgrave, same thing, super talented, everything he needs to be, to be one of the top tight ends in this league. And now the rest is sort of up to him. So those, those, if, if one of those two is not, you know, the star of this draft class, I would be fairly shocked, but, um, I, I really, really, really like what I saw out of this draft class, both when I evaluated them, you know, really pre, um, draft as well. I liked a lot of these guys pre-draft Musgrave, especially craft, especially, um, And then even when I watched him post-draft, I loved him more when I saw him in OTAs and mini, and that's not always the case. There's a lot of times I get to OTAs and mini camps. I'm like, "Uh, I'm not so sure about some of these guys. Like, uh, I don't know. I was, this is by far and away, by far and away, and take it for what it's worth. By far and away, the most excited I've ever been for a draft class following OTAs and mini camps means nothing yet. They got to put the pads on, but I liked a lot of what I saw from this draft class. So really, really excited about him. But I would I would be willing to bet a lot of money if it's one of the Lukes. It ends up being one of the best from this class. All right. What will the media reaction be when Green Bay takes a first round wide receiver next year in Marvin Harrison Jr. with the Jets pick that they get from the 12 trade? Well, Brandon, that is a tough, I know you're being facetious and joking, but that is a tough needle to thread because the only way you get Marvin Harrison is if you're probably in the top, three, four, maybe five in the draft. And in order to get the jets pick in the top five, Aaron Rodgers would have to play 65% of the snaps and they'd have to be really, really bad in meaning like the fifth or worst team in football. Right. So like I said, there's a very tough needle to thread, but Hey, if we can make that come to fruition somehow, Brandon, I am uh, all there with you. And uh, anyway, like as, as much like as, as fun as it was uh, when the Packers traded Favre to the jets, and they got the, like the better the Jets did, the better the Packers pick was like, that was sort of fun. It's a little bit um, of a bummer. If you want to sort of cheer for Aaron Rodgers that like the better he does, the worse the Packers pick is. So I don't know. I'm sure everyone's in a different camp with how they want to take that, but that's the situation that we're in. So take, do whatever you want with it. All right. Knoxical. Um, thank you. Knoxical. Thank you again for the chat. Really appreciate it. And thank you, Brandon, again, as well. If love turns out to be the green Bay or the quarterback of the future, When would I, when would a window officially open next year? Two first round picks, most likely in a super young team. My guess is 2025 would really be that the start of that window. Um, And I would be really interested to see how Goody handles things next year. If that were to happen, like if, if love was really good this season, which would be awesome. I think the gut reaction could be of like, Oh, we got to go win. I think 2024 is tough. Cause they, if you look at the salary cap, they have a lot of dead money on next year's cap as well. And they have some veterans that they're going to have to sort of at some point jettison and get off some of those cap hits. And I feel like 2024 is the year to sort of like really take your medicine and get off some of those veterans, especially with all the youth they acquired the last two seasons next year. You're again, hopefully going to have those two first round picks like you mentioned. So like, I think 2024 is one more like, Let's keep acquiring talent, young, super young, talented players. And then 2025 and beyond is when you open that next window for. But if Love is really good this season, first of all, if Love's really good now, I think they can make the playoffs this season to start with. And if he's really good next season, I think again, they'll make a playoff push one way or the other. And then, but I think a a Super Bowl window really starts to open 2025, 2026. If some of these young players really start to pay off. And one of the things I've been really adamant about is It's great to have all this young talent. It's great to have potentially two future first round picks. All that's amazing. But you win Super Bowls with star players. You don't win Super Bowls with talent. You don't win Super Bowls with good players or great players. You win them with star players. Like Green Bay, like if you want to see Green Bay start opening up a Super Bowl window again, it's the Christian Watsons. It's the Luke Musgraves. It's the Jordan Loves. It's the, you know, whomever you want. Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, you know, you have Jair already. But like some of these guys are going to have to step up into real big time stars in this league. That's their next step as a organization as a whole is taking all this young, super talented clay and really developing these players into superstars. And if they can start doing that, and Watson becomes a true star and Musgrave becomes a star and Devontae Wyatt becomes a star and Luke Van Ness becomes a star and Jair remains a star. Like now you're starting to cook and really have some things where you're like, all right, how are offenses and defense is going to, you know, be able to contain all of this talent that green Bay has, but I don't think they're quite there yet. And, and 2025 is kind of where I uh, would be sort of uh, looking at that, that window to make, hopefully you start opening on. All right. Probably just a couple more, and then I'm going to get out of here. Appreciate all the kind comments. Again, make sure to like and subscribe. Um, Yes, I will uh, do more of these. I think the last one I did was during the draft, but there will be a lot more of these live shows through the course of the season. Um, Just like preliminarily, I'm planning to do probably Pack a Day Live again during the week. I want to do at least a happy hour during the week. I'm planning tentatively right now this Thursday night. uh, It may end up being, I don't know yet either Thursday or Friday, but I'm hopefully uh, going to do another one of these this week after we've seen a couple practices, but rest assured there are going to be a lot more of these in training camp through preseason and then the course of the season as well. Before you know it, it'll be the draft next year and we'll be chatting during the draft again. So yes, plan on doing a lot more of these moving forward. All right. Any last super chats? Otherwise I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds and I'll say thank you guys one more time. Um, Enjoy practice tomorrow. I know it looks like right now we're potentially supposed to get some rain. So if you're uh, going to be trying to attend practice, double check that radar before you head out tomorrow. Um, Very well could end up being in the Don Hudson center. If there is any inclement weather, if that ends up being the case, which hopefully not, hopefully everyone's able to attend, but I will have you covered on Twitter with everything that I see at practice. Um, so you guys will try to be your eyes and ears as best as possible. All right. Anything else? All right, guys, always appreciate you. Um, like I said, I'm going to be doing a lot more of these. Make sure to check out the Packaday a podcast 365 days a year, but until next time, and as always go Paco.